Welcome to the Common Fund Point of View. I'm Anita Harrington, Head of Client Engagement for Common Fund's OCIO platform. I'm delighted to be here today with Chris Kuwait, Chief Market Strategist. In this podcast, we look to give you our latest views in 15 minutes or less. Today, we're going to focus on our macroeconomic outlook, the portfolio diversification, and the role of hedge funds. Importantly, we've received several questions that we're hearing from you, our clients, across these areas. So, Chris, let's get started. Big picture. Our macro dashboard tracks more than 50 variables that helps us understand the environment and economic conditions. What signals are we seeing today? Thanks, Anita. Well, you know, first of all, prospects for global uh, growth are really improving. We've seen in Europe, they narrowly avoided a technical recession. Uh, while we're in early stages, it seems as though China is, is making you know, fiscal changes to get control of their economic situation, you know, such as real estate, including directly intervening in the equity market. You know, outside of China, we, we see many areas of strength in EM, such as India and Brazil. And the U.S. continues to chug along, really driven by uh, consumption as you know, the consumer remains fairly strong. I think the other thing we've been seeing um, is a change, a little bit of a change in the employment picture, and we expect the employment unemployment rate to keep going up. Uh, one of the leading indicators we follow on uh, employment is temporary help and hours worked, and both are coming down significantly, and that tends to lead total employment. Um, and we're also seeing uh, goods prices are, are declining right, because of slowing demand. Uh, and, and, and too much supply, but service prices still remain sticky, mostly due to wage uh, inflation. And we're still kind of in that three range on inflation. So we're, we've not hit that goal yet of 2%. Uh, we do believe that the Fed is done, um, but may not start um, cutting as fast as the market expects. And we're seeing that repricing now, uh, the economic data in our opinion, does not support an aggressive monetary easing at this point. But importantly, um, we think that the market believes the Fed is willing to cut if needed. And we believe that. And long-term inflation expectations are well anchored right now. So you talked a lot about global growth. Given that backdrop, what actually happened in 2023? Why didn't we have a recession? And maybe, you know, give us a little insight into what you think we can expect in 2024. Well, I, I think in general, the markets really misunderstood the resilience of the consumer, especially um, the U.S. consumer. And what happened is companies were able to pass on costs to the consumer and preserve their margins. And this dynamic really led to equities uh, being an inflation hedge in a sense. Um, but going forward, you know, post what we think are peak rates, and we do expect rates to eventually come down, um, we think the breadth of the market will really improve. Uh, for example, small and mid-cap stocks are historically very cheap, uh, you know, relative uh, to larger cap stocks in the U.S., and we think they'll react better to lower rates. And, and we believe that some of the narrow leadership uh, that we've seen the past year or so uh, may absolutely recede. So 
kind of following on that theme, and last episode, you talked a little bit about inflation and interest rates, particularly as they relate more to equities, fixed income, credit, and real estate. Kind of given some of that uncertainty about the economic path ahead, how do we think about diversification in long-term portfolios? Yeah, so in our asset allocation, um, we set it up so that we really have three sources of diversification. Uh, in, in our portfolios relative to the primary risk that our, that our clients take, which is equity risk. And so one example um, would be our allocation to real assets, such as energy and resource equities, as well as real estate. And this is for inflation protection, diversification from inflation. It's unexpected. We also allocate to strategies that provide the opposite of that deflation protection, right? such as bonds and credit. And our third source of diversification, um, we like to think of as hedge funds. And, and, and that's really where we focus on what we call uncorrelated returns. So can you talk a little bit more about that role of hedge funds in a portfolio? You know, and what do you see that's interesting today in the current environment in, in the area of hedge funds? Yeah, so, so the role of hedge funds um, and the goal is to bring a return to the portfolio, um, to the total portfolio that's consistent. It's very low volatility with low drawdowns. And most importantly, that doesn't depend on the direction of equity markets, whether they're up or down or credit markets or interest rates. So our hedge funds are really neutral to the risk markets and they provide return that comes from security selection. And that really provides a, a different type of uh, diversification to the total portfolio. Um, I, I, th I think if we think about our view right now, uh, our view is that volatility will increase in equities, right? And we think there'll be a little bit more of a demand uh, for liquidity to trade equities and so we've been adding to strategies uh, such as convertible bond arbitrage, uh, where issuance is very strong. Uh, and we've been adding to short-term equity trading strategies. Um, and our portfolio manager and hedge funds has also been reducing right, some of our long short equity strategies where we see a lot of crowded trades and reducing um, some fixed income arbitrage as we expect higher volatility uh, in interest rates going forward. Great, thank you. Maybe a final question, Chris, because this is everywhere in the news. Um, you know, what is our expectation? You know, around the presidential election, what how, what's that impact on our outlook? Those of our managers, and you know, what our potential you know positioning might be. So, in our view, geopolitical risk is is really the hardest risk to underwrite around areas we wanna to try to add value. Um, it's, it's particularly difficult uh, to make money based on uh, geopolitical risk or geopolitical views because we see it as you have to get two things correct. You have to predict the event, um, but you also have to predict how the market will react to the outcome. And so a good example in the past would be um, Brexit. I don't, nobody really predicted that coming, um, but if you were able to predict uh, Brexit coming, you probably would have been short the European equity market. 
but the market's reaction to the outcome was to go up. So you would have lost money. Um, and so as long-term investors, what, what I think is really cool is we have the luxury of being able to focus on areas that we know drive value and outcomes, right? such as asset allocation, right? such as portfolio construction, of course, uh, a lot of focus on manager selection. So anything specific about kind of our next presidential election and what impact they, that might have more globally? Um, in the end of the day, what we'll wait for and what's more important, what our managers will wait for is, you know, what is the outcome? And then what is done? Are our policies changed? And that's what we did um, in the last uh, election when uh, when Trump won and a policy was changed. He significantly lowered taxes. And so what we'll do is wait for real uh, policies uh, rather than um, trying to forecast it. And then we'll incorporate that into our models and how that um, impacts markets and where we think investment opportunities lie. Great. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks so much, Chris. I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you, Anita. Mm -hmm.